You're listening to PetLifeRadio.com. Great Pets Radio is brought to you by Dog.com. For everything and anything dog, shop Dog.com today for all the top brands. Greenies, Frontline, Kong, Nylabone, Royal Canin, and more. Shop at Dog.com and use the promo code SADGPR and get $15 off your order of $75 or more. This is The Pet Show with Dr. Jim McKiernan of Great Bay Animal Hospital and trainer Sarah Wilson, founder of MySmartPuppy.com. The Pets Radio Show. Now here's Dr. Jim and Sarah Wilson. This is The Pet Show with Dr. Jim and Sarah Wilson. Dr. Jim is not here this week. He will be back next week. Hope you're having a good time, Dr. Jim. We are here, and I am really excited about the show today because we will have as our guest Dr. Susan Cohen, who does the pet grief and counseling down at the Animal Medical Center in New York. And she's been doing it for many years, and she helps us all deal with the loss of a pet. And any of you who have lost a pet know that this is a unique grief experience. And if you haven't lost, you will hear things from people such as, it was just a cat. He was just a dog. Get another. And that means nothing. This is a unique bond, and it's like losing your shadow. It's like losing a part of yourself when you lose an animal you're close to. So I'm going to start the show by reading you a little something I wrote for uh, Amazon's pet blog back in 08 about losing my dog Bracken, Um, and I'll try to get through this. I may or may not be able to, uh, because this is part of what it is. It's not an intellectual process. You can know that you have lost your pet, but your heart takes a long time to catch up. So here is a section of that blog. It's called The Dark Room. You know when the power goes out in your house. You were there when the lights went out. You're fully aware that there is no power. And yet, you still flip the switch when you enter the dark room. That's where I am. I pull five food bowls out instead of four. I look toward her bed as I climb into my own. I start to speak her name as I head out for a walk, until I catch myself. It's that daily jarring of hard reality against more than a decade of tender habit that defines these first few days. Having walked this road before, I know what to expect. I know I won't be able to concentrate, that my usually creative mind will paddle in lazy circles, that deadlines will have none of their usual powers to focus or motivate me until grief has run its course. As I move through my day, I find myself waiting for Bracken, expecting her to be there, ball in her mouth, tail in the air, and the tears come again because I have entered the dark room. And I flip the switch, expecting her light to come on, even though I was there when it went out, even though intellectually I know better, intellect has nothing to do with this. So if you can relate to those words at all, you will enjoy our time with Dr. Susan Cohen, and she'll be joining us in the next 10 or 15 minutes. And then we'll have her for the rest of the show, and I will delight in being able to delve into her expertise. She is quite a resource on the human-animal bond and also has done some wonderful research on just how much these animals mean to us, including 
that for many women, you can be happily married, you can be a wonderful mother, you can have friends, you can have family, but you know who you feel closest to in the world? Your pet. Because there's something about that bond. So we will talk about that. In a similar vein, both how the relationship means so much to us and about grief, there is a a funeral home (laughs) in Michigan who has their dog there. Sager, the family chocolate lab, comes and greets everybody, and they find it is such a nice benefit for the people coming in with loss to be able to have their hand on a pet. One of the things that we are finding out as we go along is that touching animals can change your brain chemistry. We are literally medicating ourselves with our animals when we stroke them and touch them. Our oxytocin levels can rise, our vasopressin levels can rise, and those are feel-good hormones for women and men, respectively, and they can lower your pain, they can raise your feelings of um, well-being, and they can calm you, and all of us know that, who have been upset, and then when our dog or a cat comes and rests on our lap and we stroke them, just the act of stroking them can calm us in a way that a human simply cannot. If you would like to talk to us today about your experience with pet loss, give us a call at 888-441- 9876 again 8884419876 I would love to share that uh, time with you and to be supportive and understanding about what that loss is like Now what has this week been like It's been a really busy week uh, I just taught two seminars down in New York State yesterday and one of the things that I found myself thinking about is that when we have treats in our hands, we often forget to have relationship with our dogs. That if we think we're going to give them a cookie, we forget to tell them what good dogs they are or to touch them or to relate to them. We let the cookie do the talking. And when we do that, we inadvertently teach the dog that the cookie is more important to us than our words or our touch. And then we hear from people, well, when I have a treat, they won't listen. Well, yeah, because we taught them that um, by, by mistake, but we taught them that by being silent. So if you want your dogs to love your words and your touch as much as they love the cookie, then touch them and speak to them before you give them the cookie. Make that the first thing. And when that happens, you will find that your dogs are looking at you with their ears back and their tail wagging, just as excited to be spoken to, just as excited to be touched as they are to be treated. So that one is really something we inadvertently train our dogs to. But remember, you are more important than any treat. And if that's not true, you can change it so it is true. And also tonight, I am doing a free webinar. You can get information on that over at mysmartpuppy.com. It's very easy. You just follow the link. And at 7 o'clock Eastern Standard Time, you can log into this webinar site. And what happens is you will be able to see my desktop, and I will be able to show you uh, the PowerPoint I've developed for this uh, through pictures and maybe even some video. Uh, I will be able to help you learn how to get really enthusiastic and consistent come when called, which is such a common problem that people experience. Uh, so join me there. It's absolutely free. And when I come back 
to the Pet Radio Show with Dr. Jim and Sarah Wilson. We will be interviewing Dr. Susan Cohen, and I can't wait. So stay tuned, and I will be back in a minute. us a question like so how do you feel about cat condos we can say from experience feels like home for her enter the code gpr10 gpr the number 10 and get 10 percent off any order no minimum at petco.com you like your business to reach out and invite in our audience we have a brand new trademark concept called info seeds info seeds are short 20 second seeds of information about your place of business practice or service we only have a limited number of slots left for more information visit petliferadio.com click on sponsorship information there you can listen to a sample of info seed or email us at petliferadio.com remember only a limited number of opportunities are available this year, Americans are expected to spend a jaw-dropping $36 billion on their pets. From lighted leashes to high-end spa products, the discriminating pet owner can find just about anything to pamper his or her pet. Hi, this is Michelle Fern. Join me every week for Best Bets for Pets, where we'll talk about the latest pet products and talk to the companies that make them. Best Bets for Pets. Every week, only on PetLifeRadio.com. Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. Welcome back to the Pet Radio Show with Dr. Jim and Sarah Wilson. Dr. Jim is off this week. He will be back next week. I am thrilled to have with us one of the country's foremost authorities on pet grief and grieving and also on the pet animal, the human animal bond, Dr. Susan Cohen, who's coming to us from New York. And we're going to have her for the next half hour. And I could not be more delighted. Good morning, Dr. Cohen. Hey, Sarah. It's Susan. It's, I'm just delighted to be here. You know, I'm a big fan of yours. Oh, well, thank you. It's mutual. Uh, so can you uh, give our listeners a little bit of your background so they understand where you're coming from? Sure. I'm a social worker, and when I was about maybe 23 years old, I had an old cat that I had to take to the vet, and I was worried about her, and I realized that my heart was in my mouth the mm-hmm. whole time, and I remember thinking, there ought to be somebody here to help you through this, mm-hmm. and eventually, after I became a social worker, I got to be in a position to do that. Um, Dr. Bill Kay, who was then the head of the Animal Medical Center in New York City, which it's- is a big... You know, high-end, high-tech veterinary uh, teaching hospital gave me a chance to try helping people while they made these decisions, help them get through their grief, teach the young doctors, and that's what I've been doing the last 28 years. Oh, it's such a wonderful service, and Dr. K was such a big-hearted man. I'm not surprised that he saw the need for that and understood the need for that. Well, you know, it's easy to do something when everybody else has shown that it can work. Mm-hmm. It's much braver to do it when it's not at all clear that that's going to work. Mm-hmm. So I, he deserves huge credit. And for you to be able to help so many thousands of people, 
I really doubt there's anybody who's done more hands-on person-to-person work about this sort of grief in the country than you. You've had just unbelievable amounts of experience. Well, thank you for that. I, I added it up. I think it's conservatively 26,000 yeah. myself. <laughs> and then yeah. the, the, all the wonderful uh, social work interns and colleagues, you know, that yeah. I've had that have helped as well. So, you know, again, the, the, uh, the place I work now is, is a place where you come when your pet is really sick. Mm-hmm. So you get people who are very devoted to their pets, mm-hmm. whose pets have some kind of significant problem, and you have all kinds of information coming at you from every side. You know, mm-hmm. there's a, a doctor who looks, you know, because they're all young and healthy, they look like they're 12. Mm-hmm. So here's some 12-year-old saying, no, that isn't a cold, it's cancer. Mm-hmm. And, you know, for $5,000 and a lot of treatment, we can do the following. Mm-hmm. And then you have maybe your spouse, your significant other saying, well, but the dog is 10. Should we really be doing that? Mm-hmm. And then you have your mother saying, well, you know, maybe if you didn't spend so much time on the dog, you'd have children. Yeah. Oh, then you yeah. get on the Internet, <laughs> you know, and you're reading about all the drugs, and you don't know which way to turn yeah and sometimes you just need somebody to sit with you who's a neutral party mm-hmm. who's good at asking questions to help you figure out what to do and then unfortunately of course sometimes the ones we love don't make it mm-hmm. and you have decisions to make about that and you need somebody to get you through that and when i started all those years ago there was a tremendous stigma to saying you were that attached to a pet oh there was you know oh, it was awful i mean it's not perfect now but now there are hallmark cards and mm-hmm. you know all kinds of stuff but in those days it was a great embarrassment to tell anybody that you were very involved in your pet and you needed some time off Mm -hmm. so we put together the very first pet loss group ever and i'm so proud of it because now of course we have support groups for everything Mm -hmm. but in those days we didn't you know so you know i just knew that if i put everybody together in the same room they would realize that they weren't crazy and that other people did feel this way and they could help each other so uh we started that and you know just all kinds of training and stuff and it's really i think made a difference but it's a different world now you know veterinarians are not just people who grew up on farms they're people who grew up with pets and yes. you don't have to convince them anymore that somebody would really be that attached oh it's a, it's an extraordinary bond and i want to talk to you about that more but something that people don't often process is this is the only time in our lives and really it's the only opportunity not even an opportunity but the only time you have to make that sort of decision of losing a loved one now now I'm going to choose that my dog or cat or ferret is going to die today mm-hmm. <laughs> at yeah. this moment. Yeah. Um, and you don't know if it's the right time, if it's the perfect time. How do people come to terms with that grayness? I mean, there are times when clearly it has to be done, but so often it's a, do I do it now? Do I do it in a week? What if they're in pain? You know, how do you find that line? It's a great question you're asking because obviously everybody draws that line in a different place. Mm -hmm. Some people say, you know, the day that Sport doesn't want to eat his treats, I'll know that's it or Mm -hmm. can't chase the Frisbee. Other people have to wait until their pet is almost in a coma. Mm -hmm. Um, So, you know, and you can't, I think it's wrong to force people to do something they think is immoral. Mm -hmm. So we spend a lot of time talking about what people's values are, Mm -hmm. what they think the pet is feeling 
feeling, and, and you really need consultation with a lot of people. If there's more than one person in the family, then everybody will have an opinion and they might be different. Mm-hmm. And you have in a place, you know, you know, in, in today's modern veterinary medicine, multiple veterinary opinions. You have your regular yes. veterinarian, you have the specialist, you have the internal medicine specialist and the surgeon and the oncologist, and they might all see it a little bit differently. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and then again, there are the outside people in your life who, who all say, well, I would do it this way or you mm-hmm. should do it that way. So how do you, how do you get to an answer? You, you sit down and you say, okay, what is going on with this pet? You know, I've you know, put together all the information I can. What do I think? I know my pet. Is my pet exhausted and ready to go and looking for a way out? Mm-hmm. Does, is he still fighting? Uh, is he, you know, maybe slightly slower than somebody else's pet, slow down, mm-hmm. but okay for me? Mm-hmm. Um, and then you... The issue of I'm the one choosing is, of course, a big one for people. And sometimes what we have to recognize is I'm not killing my pet. Cancer is killing my pet. Well, that's such a good way of looking at it. And, you know, I'm, I'm at a point here where, and again, I don't, I'm not talking to people who, for whom this is easy come, easy go. I'm right. only talking to people for whom this is a member of the family, and it's a hard decision. Mm-hmm. So those people are not going to intervene because their pets become a little inconvenient. Right. They're doing it because they can see that death is coming no matter what. We right. run out of medical things to do. Or it's, there's, it's going to cost the pet or, and the family too much, mm-hmm. you know, uh, suffering to try to continue the treatment. Mm-hmm. So you say, okay, if death is coming anyway, mm-hmm. do I want to intervene? Do I want to be there? Is it important to me that my pet has a peaceful passing with me by her side mm-hmm. uh, or, a, or a veterinarian that I trust by her side? Or would I, uh, do I feel so strongly that it has to be inevitable and on its own? Mm-hmm. And, you know, unfortunately, when any of us get to the end of our life, it may not be just closing our eyes and floating off right. the angels. It might be hard. And so the people that I talk to intervene because they think it's better than the alternative. Yeah, and that's the line I draw. There's certain things I don't want my pets to ever experience and mm-hmm. horrible pain or confusion uh, are one of them. And we're if it's going problems. to happen anyway, pardon me? Breathing problems get missed mm. all the time because when pets are having trouble breathing, it doesn't look the way we look. Oh. And so, you know, that's something that gets missed a lot. I, I was tell people, look, it's, it's the basics of life. Right. Can you I'm, eat and drink? Can we have can you, you eliminate? Can you move around? Can you breathe okay? And for some people, but not everyone, can that pet recognize who we are? Unfortunately, we're just going to have to cut you off for a second. We'll be right back. It's such so wonderful speaking to you. And this is the Pet Radio Show with Dr. Jim and Sarah. And we'll be back in just a few minutes. Stay tuned. Celebrate your special occasion and give her this classic semi-eternity band created with one-carat brilliant diamonds channel set in 14-carat white gold. Exclusively yours from ICE.com. Free shipping over $150, free returns, and 30-day money-back guarantee. Go to ICE.com and use promo code ACTFP and get 20% off your purchase. Or use promo code ADTFP and get 20% off at Diamond.com. ICE.com or Diamond.com. Get 20% off from Pet Life Radio. 
FTD's network of over 40,000 florists around the world have been creating beautiful handcrafted arrangements for 100 years. Each arrangement is delivered the same day and backed by FTD's seven-day satisfaction guarantee. For a century, people have trusted their most important occasions to the flower experts at FTD. Since Pet Life Radio is all about puppy dogs and flowers, our listeners, that's you, can get a 20% discount on your order. Just go to florop.com and use the code LUCKYS20 at checkout. F-L-E-U-R-O-P.com. Code word L-U-C-K-Y-S and the number 20. Hi, this is Tim Link, host of Animal Rights on Pet Life Radio. Join me as we feature interviews with best-selling pet-related authors, award-winning writers, journalists, and bloggers. And we'll tell stories about the animals and interesting topics about the animals in our lives. Each of the interviews will give you a first-hand knowledge about why the authors and writers chose a particular story, what the feature animals meant to them, and what has become of those animals that we've talked about. And of course, I'll also share stories from my own books, blogs, articles, and experiences. So be sure to join me and the writers and authors on Animal Rights. Every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com. Let's talk pets. Let's talk pets on Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. PetLifeRadio.com. Welcome back to the Pet Show with Dr. Jim and Sarah Wilson. This is Sarah Wilson, and Dr. Jim is away this week. He will be back next week. We are speaking with the fabulous Dr. Susan Cohen, who is an expert on grieving and pet loss, as well as on the human-animal bond, and we are getting to chat with her today. If you have questions about grieving or about the human-animal bond, you can call us at 888-441-9876. Again, 888-441-9876. Dr. Cohen, we were just talking about where to draw the line and how complicated that is, but I wanted to sort of jump over to something you've mentioned several times so far, which is animals as a member of the family. Now, I know you've done some unique research on that, and I wondered if you could talk to us a little bit about that. I would love to. You know, um, after I've been working for a while and listening to people say my pet's a member of the family, I decided to go back and do my doctorate in this area. And uh, the social workers were saying, well, you don't mean really member of the family. They couldn't mean that. And I said, no, no, they do. So that was the subject of my dissertation. And, mm. you know, you would think, okay, well, the kind of people who might say that probably live alone. Maybe mm-hmm. they're elderly. They probably never married. They probably never had children. Mm-hmm. So that's what I looked at. I uh, asked you know, 200 people of the kind who come to a big veterinary teaching hospital mm-hmm. to answer the same questions about the closest person in their family and the closest pet. Mm-hmm. And I thought, well, you know, maybe age will be a factor, maybe living alone will be a factor. None of that was a factor. <laughs> None of that had anything to do with it, not having children, mm-hmm. not having a mate, mm-hmm. not living alone, not the size of the pet, wow. none of that. It was men versus women. And college grads versus non-grads. So male college graduates scored, and I say scored on the questionnaire, a little lower in attachment than women or non-grads. But I then thinking, okay, well, boy, I've got that all worked out. Isn't that nice and neat? You know, I then interviewed a subgroup of them with another set of questions, and most of that just melted away. Oh, you know? interesting. But, but what did come out, and this was, was really pretty interesting to me, 
uh, there's a concept in the social science called social network, and it's mm-hmm. the people in your life who will help you in one of three ways. Concrete help, like who will shovel your walk if you have a, a broken mm-hmm. leg. Emotional support, which is obvious, and then sort of informational support, like who do you call up to find um, you know the best doctor? Mm-hmm. So I figured everybody would say yes to emotional support for their pets. Mm-hmm. Uh, a couple of people might say yes to concrete support because they'd say, well, my dog protects me. Mm-hmm. And nobody would say yes to educational support. Well, that didn't turn out to be true either. Oh, fascinating. You know? That's why we do research, right? That's right. And <laughs> one of the questions on this questionnaire was, um, you know, are the people, and you had a whole list of people, mm-hmm. you know, in this, in this one, not just your closest person, are they sometimes critical of you in a way that makes you feel bad? Oh. Okay? 65% said the closest person in their life was sometimes critical of them in a way that made them feel bad. Mm-hmm. Only one of the pet lovers said that about her pet, and that's because she said, if I leave my dog home all day, take it for a quick walk, and then go out again, he gives me that look mm-hmm. that I've really disappointed him. He said that's it. She was the only one that said that. Oh, that's funny. 65% said uh, that the human beings in their life helped the person I was asking, mm-hmm. as much as that person helped them. Mm-hmm. 92% of the pet people said that. Wow. And you might think, well, you know, we're, we're paying for their medical bills, we're buying them food, we mm-hmm. have to take care of No, 92% said their pet helped them as much as they helped the pet. Oh, interesting. I thought that was extraordinary. It's, it's clearly, although it sounds like the same relationship and we call it a member of the family, it's clearly got some differences. And in a lot of ways, pets are better. <laughs> and I've said that for a long time, that it's not a compensatory relationship. It's not filling in for something we do not have in our lives with humans. That's it right. is a unique bond that cannot be replaced by humans. Mm-hmm. And it's just, have you read uh, Made for Each Other by Meg Omar? I have not yet, but I've read some other things that she's written, and it looks wonderful. Oh, fascinating. The biochemistry that's now coming out, Mm -hmm. and is somewhat the chicken and the egg, but the fact that when we touch them, our oxytocin levels go up, or for men, the vasopressin levels go up, and it goes up in the animals, too, which I just Mm -hmm. love. Yes, Um, yeah, it's mutual. Right, it's mutual. It's not that we're taking these animals and forcing them into some bond that they don't want. They respond the way we respond. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Extraordinary. So I'm just wondering how much of this mutuality um, that you're finding at the 92% is based that we really do feel good. We're not thinking we feel good when we interact with our dogs. We do feel good. Absolutely. And I think what's important is, you know, that regular standard questionnaires may not capture it. I remember a study, it's probably 20 years old now, they interviewed uh, a bunch of women, and this was in England, and so they have sort of state-sponsored housing, and they interviewed a whole bunch of older women uh, to see how, because one of the buildings allowed cats and the other one did not. Mm -hmm. And so they were interviewing the people who weren't allowed to have cats, and, you know, they gave, I guess they gave both groups loneliness studies and whatever, and they couldn't prove that on that study cats did anything for loneliness, but all the people that cats felt less lonely. Right. So I think that when we ask these questions and when we use these sort of standardized questionnaires, that somehow we're not capturing it because I don't think people are just kidding themselves. I think they really, you know, it's the oxytocin that you mentioned. Right. It's that bonding hormone that we get when we hold a baby. Absolutely. Um, so I, I think they're just tremendously important to our health and we just haven't quite figured out 
how to always demonstrate it. You know, sometimes it, the tests show that, and sometimes they don't. So. Well, how to ask that question. Mm-hmm. And one of the bits of research I found when I was doing my thesis for my master's work was how important it is for women not just to have someone to love, but that we have to see that other loving us back. Mm -hmm. That loop has to be closed. Mm -hmm. And with cats, I think the reason they're in our homes is largely because of the purr. Mm -hmm. When you have a cat on your lap and you're stroking it and it is purring, there is a bliss factor for both parties involved that cannot be replicated. Absolutely. We just, uh, a couple of days before Christmas, acquired another cat. He showed up at the door in the cold. So. There, yeah, he says, um, I was told to ask for Dr. Susan Cohen, exactly, please. Exactly, and of course, <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm trying to resist, you know, and yeah, I'm saying, give it up. well, we're going to get him fixed up in noon, and we're going to find him a go uh-huh. at home. <laughs> And it's like, what is it, not even two weeks after Christmas, and we all know what, what home he found. That's right, that's right. Another and, and foster fail. He walked in the door and rubbed around our legs, oh. and would rather, we were keeping him separate because mm-hmm. we didn't know what his health status was yet. He would rather rub around your legs than eat. Yeah, that's so it. How can you not fall in love with this this being? You know, it's, it's a doll. Exactly. It, it's that you can't. You can't. If we all greeted each other, not with rubbing around the legs, granted, but with <laughs> half the enthusiasm. You know, a friend of mine once complained that her husband really didn't like this new dog she had very much. And I said, well, do you ever say your husband's name with the same tone and warmth and emotion that you say the dog's name? And she was like, looked at me chagrined. I'm like, well, try that. He might like the dog better. Because <laughs> she would just melt and say this dog's name with this oh obvious oozing new love thing going on. And then, right? And then she'd just be like, her husband, whatever. Yeah, um, the wonder was jealous. No wonder, right, who could blame him? <laughs> he had competition in his own home. Uh, but it's true, we are so much more open emotionally to our pets because we don't feel like we have to guard ourselves in any way. Um, well, one, of, uh, one of the people that I interviewed, you know, for my dissertation said, they never come home and say, you know, I think I want my space. <laughs> <laughs> I'd like to see other people. <laughs> well, one of the things that was interesting in my research, too, was that women talked about how their pets loved them, mm-hmm. no matter what they looked like, mm-hmm. or and even when they got angry, mm-hmm. right? Two of the big social taboos for women in our culture. You're supposed to look good, and you're supposed to be, like, nice all the time. Right. And the men that did answer, because granted, you know, where women wrote me three pages single-spaced when I asked them, is the relationship important to you, men would write, yes. Exactly. <laughs> oh, my know? God. Right. Well, when I, when I was doing mine, that, as I said, gender was one of the, the big differences. And so when I did that subgroup of interviews, um, and I would say, what's the difference between you're the closest pet in your life and the closest person? And the men would sort of tilt their heads like, are you... Right. Are you serious? And they would then explain the differences in terms of the animal nature of the pet. They'd say, they'd sort of pause and then they'd say, well, he's covered in fur. (laughs) Exactly. The women, when I'd ask that question, would all tell me why the pet was better. (laughs) Right. Right. The relational differences. No, I've always thought that if you're going to get this information out of men, it's going to be one by one and there's going to be beer involved. (laughs) (laughs) It's just the only way we're going to get down to it in a soundproof room somewhere. Um, So... uh, Circling back a little bit, now that we're, uh, I'm going to do a segue. I'm raising my hand for everybody. We're going to have an emotional shift. 
When people are going through um, this grieving process with their animals, what are some of the things they can do for themselves to help them through it? I think the most important thing you could do for yourself is take yourself seriously. If you think this feels feels bad and hurts a lot, it does. It's true. You deserve to feel this way. You know, it's, it's, uh, there's nothing the matter with you. It hurts. You've had a, a strong attachment for all the reasons that we've just been talking about. So, mm-hmm. you know, give yourself permission to grieve in whatever way you need to grieve. Some people are talkers. Some people need not to talk. Mm-hmm. Some people need to come home and get everything of the pets out of sight and in the trash or whatever. Other people need to leave everything in place mm-hmm. until they feel ready to move it. It's not going to still be there in 10 years. Don't worry about it. You'll get to it, you know? So there's no um, right way to grieve. There is not a right way to grieve, and you should grieve in whatever way makes sense to you. So for a lot of people, talking to a compatible person is very important. If you're feeling, you know, just sort of ordinarily sad, then find somebody in your life, and it could be a spouse, but it could be the guy in the Xerox room mm-hmm. who's willing to listen to your stories. And if you want to help somebody, say, oh, well, I heard about Fluffy. How did you get him? You'll ask mm-hmm. questions. Um, and then another thing that's very helpful to people is to memorialize this pet or this relationship in some way. So some people, for example, have their pet cremated, they get the ashes back, they put up a picture. Some people want to go volunteer at a pet shelter. Some people write something on the Internet and send it out to everybody. Whatever that is for you, marking that occasion and that relationship sort of honors it. Um, and then check in with yourself every once in a while and say, how am I doing? And you're going to be up and down. That's just mm-hmm. grieving. You know, one day you feel like superwoman, the next day you think, I'm, you know, I'm a basket case. If you're not coming out the other side, mm-hmm. you know, if you it's been a couple of weeks, you're still really blue, you, you can't watch TV, mm-hmm. you're maybe not washing your hair, so whatever it is, then you might say, you know something, this is, this is either really bad or it's going on a little long. Mm-hmm. Not that you won't have grief maybe for months and months here and there. But, but you need you some help. really slumping into a depression, mm-hmm. you want to go find a professional who is trained in this area, who understands loss, who understands human-animal bond. You know, and have a few sessions or find a pet loss group or do something online. Um, is there know, a- nothing wrong with that. And when you think about, well, maybe I should just get another pet, maybe that's the answer. And for some people, getting another pet pretty fast is very helpful. But I think, again, you want to check in with yourself and say, how am I feeling? Mm-hmm. The time to get another pet is when you can appreciate that new pet for who he or she is. Sometimes okay. people say, oh, I don't want to compare. No, you are going to compare. But when you can say, oh, well, I wonder why she doesn't like carrots. The last dog likes like carrots. Right. And, oh, well, she doesn't like carrots. Right. When you're at that place, then you can really appreciate your new dog, cat, ferret. Bunny. I'm going to have to interrupt. I'm really sorry. We'll okay. be right back. We have to go to a break. Thank you so much, Dr. Cohen. This is The Pet Show with Dr. Jim and Sarah. We'll be right back. There's a movement afoot, ShoeBuy.com. Join the millions of people who shop ShoeBuy.com's over 400 brands and 500,000 products. Order now and get free shipping and free return shipping. ShoeBuy.com, the world's greatest shoe store. Walk your dog in style and comfort. Enter the code GPR at checkout and get a 10% discount plus free shipping at ShoeBuy.com. How would you 
like your business to reach out and invite in our audience. We have a brand new trademark concept called Info Seeds. Info Seeds are short 20-second seeds of information about your place of business, practice, or service. Is the best, most cost-effective way to invite us in. We only have a limited number of slots left. For more information, visit the website. PetLifeRadio.com Click on Sponsorship Information. There you can listen to a sample of Info Seed. Remember, only a limited number of opportunities are available. Hi, this is Marcy Davis and my service dog, Whistle, and we're your hosts of Working Like Dogs on Pet Life Radio. Working Like Dogs is the show where you can learn everything you ever wanted to know about working animals or working dogs. Whether you're a member of a working dog team or you've just seen a working dog or animal out at the mall or the grocery store and you're curious about how these amazing animals work with their human partners, then Working Like Dogs is the show for you. Join us for the inside scoop at Working Like Dogs on PetLifeRadio.com. Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. Welcome back to The Pet Show with Dr. Jim and Sarah Wilson. This is Sarah Wilson, and Dr. Jim is off this week. He will be back next week. If you have any questions about pet loss or the human-animal bond, give us a call at 888-876. And we have today the wonderful Dr. Susan Cohen, who is informing us on so many things. Thank you so much for joining us. I'm enjoying this so much, Susan. I am too. I wish we, well, we yeah. will just have to do it again. We will. I agree completely. So um, one of the things I've noticed in my years in the field here is that men and women seem to grieve a little differently about the pets. And in many cases, the men seem completely shocked at just how much of a loss this is um, and are really hurt by it in such a, a sort of um, overwhelming way for them. Uh, do you have any hints on that or has that been something you've experienced? Yeah, I have noticed it and it's, it's interesting because I, I think men and women certainly can attach you know, heavily both, mm-hmm. but of course men, even after all our efforts are still taught even more than women are. That they're not supposed to cry and they're supposed to be the strong ones I've, I used to notice when I first came that, that uh, you know, started doing this work, that I'd be in the room with a couple. The woman might be the one crying, but if anybody was going to bolt out of the room, it was the guy. Mm. And where for a woman, you know, if she was up for it, you could give her a hug. The man, you would have to push the Kleenex box over. Mm-hmm. Like he, you know, he needed the help, but he couldn't be quite as demonstrative about it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, again, it's been a long time, so, uh, you know, hopefully we raised our boys to be a little more expressive and, mm-hmm. you know, take better emotional care of themselves. But I think often it's, um, it's still the woman's job to do the talking. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, we, we now have a lot more men in our pet loss support group than we did for many, many years. Mm-hmm. We hardly ever saw a man. Good. And now we almost always have one there, but, you know, one or two. But um, it's, uh, you know, again, I don't know that it's a matter of feeling, but on those questionnaires that I mm-hmm. did, men didn't score as high. And I mm-hmm. think it's because both college graduates and men 
have been taught to approach the world a little more critically. And I don't mean mm-hmm. negatively. I mean... Intellectually. Yeah, to think about each thing separately, where women would say, I love you. I'm giving you the top score and everything. Right. So it's it's... You know, it's a matter of, to some degree, of style, of expression, of how we've brought, you know, brought our boys and girls up. Can I um, interrupt rudely here? Because we have a caller. Cindy is calling in to ask you a question. So, good morning, Cindy. Hi, Sarah. How are you? Good. How are you? Good. This is a fascinating um, conversation. I have a question. Um, Having been through this process several times, I wonder... um, is the grieving experience different for people who have to put their pet down via the vet or if the pet passes away at home? And, and having been through it both ways, having had my pet die in my kitchen uh, two years ago, the closure seemed to be a lot easier for my husband and I. Mm. And I wonder if there has uh, been research done in that respect. That's a wonderful question. Uh, Dr. Cohen, are you aware of anything like that? Do we have Dr. Just a minute. We will find her. Okay. <laughs> Thank you, Cindy. You're welcome. We're looking. Dr. Cohen? i sure Dr. Cohen will be calling back in. That's a wonderful question to ask. And there's so much research that needs to be done um, yet. And if anyone will know it, she will know it. Just one second. Okay. I will find out uh, what the answer to that is and get back to you on that. Now, we are at the closing 10 minutes here. And one thing I want to talk about as we wrap this, it was so wonderful to have Dr. Cohen on, and we will certainly um, have her back to talk at more length about the human-animal bond because it's such a big part of all of our lives and we have learned generally so little about it. And when we find out about it, it is reassuring to know that our levels of attachment and love and the importance the animals play in our lives is absolutely normal and uh, not just normal, but uh, wonderful addition. It is not compensatory. You can have wonderful friends, family members, and all things and we can still be attached to them. So I believe we have Dr. Susan, and here we are. Dr. Susan. Yeah. Hi. <laughs> did you hear that question? or should I did I... not. That's, okay. that's where the phone went dead. So. Okay. So the question was, is there any research on any difference in the grief process if the animal dies at home from natural causes or if the person has to make the decision to end their life now? Are you aware of that or do you have a sense it, of that? As far as I know, there's no formal research on that in particular, but, you know, but there's also sort of informal research and just keeping lists and paying attention. And I can tell you that, oddly enough, sometimes people do better if they do make the decision. I think where you see the big difference is between death that you saw coming and death that you didn't see coming. Oh, okay. There was a study done probably 20 years ago now of young widows under the age of 45. They interviewed them two to three years after the death of their husband. Of the 20 who knew the death was coming, 13 had a new partner. Oh, interesting. Of the 23 who did not know the death was coming, none of them had a new partner. Wow. So I think, you know, obviously if, if you've seen your pet decline, you've been maybe treating for an illness, 
and then in the end, maybe you have I'm to I'm going to have Asia. to interrupt you again. I'm so sorry. I want you forever. Anyway, we have to go to break. This is the Pet Radio Show, and we will be right back. question what do i want what do i need i'll take affection i should mention i need time i need love i crave attention Love My Pets, the new single by Mark Winter, available on iTunes. Pets can be a wonderful addition to your life because they're a member of the family. Keeping them healthy and happy is important. Pet Life Radio presents The Pet Doctor with veterinary media consultant and veterinarian Dr. Bernadine Cruz. Whether you have a dog, cat, reptile, or rabbit, you'll find answers for your pets straight from the vets. The Pet Doctor, on demand every week, only on PetLifeRadio.com. Let's Talk Pets. Let's Talk Pets. On Pet Life Radio. PetLifeRadio.com. Pet Welcome back to the Pet Show with Dr. Jim and Sarah Wilson. This is Sarah Wilson. Dr. Jim is off this week. We have had today with us the fabulous Dr. Susan Cohen, and I could interview you all day, woman. Well, I, it's been a pleasure. You yourself have done so much to support the human-animal bond. I've known you for years. You've been great, and it's been a real pleasure to sit and chat with you. You're you're a wonderful interviewer. Thank you, and I will have you back on for sure, and enjoy the rest of your Sunday, and uh, be well you until well. we speak again. Bye-bye. Uh, bye-bye. Uh, so lucky us to have her on. Now, this week, again, we have a free webinar. I'm giving a free webinar. You can go to mysmartpuppy.com, hit Upcoming Events, and follow the link. And it's all about teaching your dog to come when called consistently and enthusiastically. And I will be giving you concrete advice on things you can do to help your dog uh, come to you every time you call them. And that is one way we can keep them safe and one way we can give them a lot more freedom. So, as we are wrapping here today, I thought we might want to talk about a few things you can do in snowy weather with your dogs and cats, uh, both to entertain yourself and to entertain them. And one of the things you can do with your dogs when there is snow out is I call it put put gifts in drifts, which is you go out with some sort of a stick. I use a broom handle and I poke into a snow drift and I drop some cookies down there for the dog, some treats, and I let them come and sniff them out and dig them out. And they really enjoy that. And I enjoy watching them when they are shoulders deep in a snow drift, digging like mad and their tails are wagging and they're just having a great time. So that's an amusing thing to do. 
and you can certainly do that with your children. They can go out and stick treats all over the place and then enjoy going out and showing the dog where to look and where to sniff and to have them sniff it and then dig. That would be fun. And with cats, this is a great time of year for things on strings, which means you tie something, a rag uh, is good, to some kind of a string, and you drag it around and let them pounce on it, and you can drag it up things and over things and around things, and your cat can get the exercise they need to stay mentally and physically um, stimulated because cats get bored, and a bored cat can become an ankle biter or a foot pouncer. Now a note about playing with your cat. Do not, I repeat, do not play jump on my hand when I move it around under the sheets or blankets. Yes, that is highly amusing when you want to be playing it, but at three in the morning when you shift in your bed and your cat pounces and plays the game on their own, it can be uh, surprising, alarming, and painful. So I would skip that one and stay with things on strings and let them chase things like that. Just remember when you're done, put it away because cats can chew and swallow the string. So we are coming to the end of the show today, and it has been such a pleasure. There is so much work to still be done on the human-animal bond. We are only just learning how much these animals mean to us and why. What we do know for sure is this is not something that we do because we're a failure other ways in our lives. It is not something we do to the animals. It is something we do with the animals, and it enriches the animal's life, and it enriches our lives, and this we know for sure. And that is why we are here on the Pet Show with Dr. Jim and Sarah Wilson every week to help you have a happier and healthier time with your pets. So until next week, have a great time, and we will be back. Dr. Jim will be with you that week, and we'll be having a great time. Be well. And until next time, this is Sarah Wilson for The Pet Show. Let's Talk Pets, every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com.